Welcome to If You've Come This Far, the podcast that my buddy Sean and I do where we have authentic conversations with interesting people about how to make life more meaningful, more impactful, more full. Um, in this episode, we got, uh, we somehow landed um, sort of a rock star, uh, uh, in a sense, um, to join us, uh, Byron Katie. Um, who Sean has been following for a long time and is well more equipped to talk about and introduce by, uh, Katie as she goes um, than I am. Sean, what what um, what does the listener need to know about Katie? Yeah, I think you know you said I, how many times have we started out an introduction with, "Oh, I can't believe this person's come to talk to us." Every time, yeah, right. And so. Um, yeah, I just reached out to Byron Katie with an email and her people were like, she would love to talk to you too. And I want to be like, did you check us out at all? I mean, did you do any? any you did. You did kind I, of ask her I did. I did. Yeah, Byron, I mean, I, I, you know, for me, I think the the teachings of Byron Katie can change a person's life in a couple hours. Um, and um, you know, as I say at the beginning, you, you told me, oh yeah, tell her that you're nervous to talk to her. I was, you know, it's that nervous excitement. Um, mm -hmm. uh, a, a couple things for the, for the listener as you dive in, first of all, we talk about her first book a lot, um, loving what is. And so I, I think we reference it and not, and don't really, um, talk about, the fact that she's written multiple books, but loving what is, is kind of the, the one that put her on the map. You know, I feel like the other thing is, so she, I'm not going to go into the fact that she's all about the work. Cause we talk about the work. Mm -hmm. She basically goes through the work in a very touching and personal way. I think um, the other thing I'll say though, is, I, you know, as I was, as I was re listening to it, um, I felt a little bit like you and I were trying to be um shocker. We were trying, how many times have you done this? Do you, you know, mm -hmm. do you know, do you, I mean, we were talking metrics and she's like, I have no clue. I, yeah. you know, she's just like, I'm just do, I'm just helping literally. I think at one point I said, well, you know, have you done this with like thousands of people? And she's like, I think it's in the millions. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I th well, I think you were you were interested in knowing how many people she had personally done the work with, and yeah. I, and and she talks about how sort of, you know, if, if if you can put something out there that works and people adopt it, and then there's a sort of like exponential growth where people help other people with something that worked for them, and so I think that's where that million number comes in. I don't doubt it. Her reach is pretty broad. Um, I mean, I I've, I've thought about this since our conversation with her. And I think it might be helpful. Yeah, yes, we do talk about the work. Yes, she talks about the work in a in like sort of a personal use case kind of way. Right. Right. But um, I think what the work is maybe for the listener, and maybe you push back if I'm if I've got this wrong. But I think so. It's Katie's approach to dealing with suffering, and um, and it's it's and she's using an inquiry based approach. So it's mm -hmm. like really interrogating the way you're feeling. Why are you feeling that way? What's really going on? Yeah. And the thing that I've I, I've started wondering if it's if might something that might make a good sort of analog to that is what the military calls after action reviews, mm -hmm. right? Like we just mm -hmm. went through something here. 
And, um, and, and maybe we should all come together and step back and evaluate what exactly happened at each step of the way. Um, and that's a really sort of like mundane and pragmatic, um, way to think of it, but, but it's kind of, it kind of helped me, um, to think of it that way. It's really, that's a really interesting comparison. I mean, I think it takes, you know, a level of objectivity, right. In, in, in that assessment and an after action assessment, you, you really need to step back and be objective about what occurred. And, and I think that's kind of the essence of the work as well, which is you need to let go or, or the essence is as you inspect this, you need to say, is this true? And, and really be truthful to yourself and courageous about analyzing, but, but to take that objective perspective, I think is really important. Right. Right. Well, and and I think we all know um, that the hardest time to be objective is when you're emotional, mm-hmm. right? And so that's where I think that there is utility, or at least why a lot of people have found utility in her framework, which again she calls the work. So mm-hmm. um, it it was uh, it was neat to talk to her. Yes, I mean not, not maybe not one of our our typical interviews, um, but. Um, you know, we're, we're in the presence of an amazing woman, amazing person. Yeah. No, like, no doubt about it. We're, 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 um, I don't think either one of us is pretending that uh, all of our episodes are going to yield uh, greater meaning uh, uh, in life. Um, we're just trying to talk to people who have found their own way um, right. to make greater sure. meaning. And, and so maybe it lands and maybe it doesn't, but um, if nothing else, um, she was interesting and lovely. For sure. Here's Byron Katie. So, Katie, it's a pleasure meeting you. Thank, thank you for uh, agreeing to come and hang out with us. Oh, my pleasure. So, I thought maybe one way one one way to start is I'm very curious. Do you have any idea at all how many people have been through the work? No, no, no. hundred. I mean. Thousands upon uh, thousands. You know, I've I've heard millions, and yeah. and I have no. You know, I've been at this thirty years, right. and and um, have um, I've certainly lived in the world as a yes by invitation, and yeah, um, yeah. yeah and you know, it's my job, right? So, and the reason it's difficult for me to answer that question is. It's like, you know, the work and if, if you do the work with someone, mm-hmm. then that's how it's transmitted. I'm just not the one, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the, like, you know, let's, I'm the founder, mm-hmm. but um, it only lives through what value is, is it? If it doesn't live through like a chain reaction, this to this, to this, to this. And even if a person isn't, um, um, sitting with inquiring with people, teaching them the work, um, how to work with themselves, which is what this is all about. Mm -hmm. Um, Without that, you know, what value does it have? So it's better just to kind of fade out the way it blasted in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who's to say what's value and what's not? But I'm very clear that these questions have no power they're like um they're they are um pointers 
into what matters and the response that comes out of us that meets the questions, that's the power. So, so you might say the work is nothing, mm. Mm. but what it is inviting is self-realization, is power and the kindest way of, by the kindest of definitions. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about, because we talk a lot about suffering, or you talk a lot about suffering and reducing mm-hmm. suffering. And 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 I, I'm, I'm guessing, but I would want to hear you answer this question. Do you think there's an inverse correlation between the amount that we suffer and the, the, the amount of meaning we get out of life? Like, in other um, words, if we're, the more we suffer, does that suggest that life is less full or or meaningful? Well, it's less to us when we're suffering. We're busy suffering, so life is less to us, you know. But yeah, I do. The freer we, the freer we are, the more um, life we experience. Life absence suffering, like service. Mm-hmm. and connection and caring and a fearlessness to match those qualities where we're not so worried about the self that we lose touch with our with who and how we we are at our best the absence I'm- of of impoverished for everyone beyond uh, financial or health And, you know, there was a three-year, Stanford uh, did a three-year study on the work, and um, when it comes to, um, like, physical health, um, it was uh, just radical how they, how it affected the human body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a big believer in the connection between mental health and physical health, for sure. I was kind of chuckling a little bit, because... What you may not know about Sean and me is that we both went to um, to Catholic schools for an excessive number of years. Uh-huh. And I was just thinking about all the religious who had taught me, all the priests and nuns and all the vows that they had taken, which to the layperson might seem like vows of suffering. Like I vow to suffer via, you know, poverty and chastity and all that stuff. So um, that's just kind of where my mind was going. I, I, I wonder if you've ever done the work with 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 religious folk. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, you know, inquiry doesn't have um, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's yeah, it's beyond. Um, it's it doesn't interfere with anyone's philosophies or or religious backgrounds. They're, they're it's just they're questions. They're not they're for everyone. Open to them. Um, yeah, it's. You know, I've, you know, not just me personally, but the people in my life all these years, they testify and, you know, they become kinder, clearer, less fearful, more open. And it was like the dead can walk other than what we're thinking and believing. We can run, Mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 like the negative things like it's a terrible world and then the ego pops in to prove it through images in our head you know in the past there it is in the future there it is and you know and so we're 
locked into this trance that it's a terrible world. Mm. But when we question that, and te- you know, questioning it is a it's a practice in stillness. It's not jumping to conclusions. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's you, we get still. This is this you know an experience where people can be alone with themselves and see for themselves what is authentically true for them and and not. So it's this. Um, this going in process, you know, we never know what we're going to find other than this. It's kinder, wiser. Mm-hmm. And we're not kinder and wiser. It's just that what we're thinking and believing take up all the space. And because the, you know, that that kinder, wiser is immovable. And there are um, nouns for it like the heart mm-hmm. and wisdom and caring, and goodness, and everything religions teach. But how? You know, funny story, I, I, um, with Stephen, my husband, we were walking um, on one evening as, you know, we were traveling. I had an event in Boston, and we passed the storefront, and, and it was glass, and I could hear, you know, this, they were singing this gospel music and, and, um, um, and we walked by and said, honey, you want to walk in and, and we'll just kind of hang out and sing? And he said, sure. And so we walked in, we sat down and we, they handed us the hymn, the hymnal and, and we um, were singing and loving that. And then the, the minister started um, talking about um, Jesus and he, um, why would I tell you to this? Here we go. Okay. <laughs> you never know. It's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, um, um, so he started talking about Jesus and why would uh, Jesus love you? And then people would raise their hands and they would, they would um, quote the Bible and they would, you know, they would respond in their own way. And then he called on me and he said, well, why would Jesus love you? And I said, because he just can't help it. <laughs> but that doesn't say anything about me. That's, that says everything about him. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing arrogant to it. It's just this love of this master that lives within us. And, you know, there's there's no opposite, but isn't that isn't that the teaching? Mm-hmm. You know, love. Love. Anything less than that is crazy. And so for the work sure. is solution for the crazy. <laughs> So, so I want to get into the work in detail, but, but first I wanted to, one of the things that is, um, uh, stuck in my head, I think, for, I think, I think it was in loving what is, is a story about how, and it's always in my head and particularly when there's dishes in the sink, where I think you tell the story about, you know, my son's socks are all over his bedroom yeah. and, and I'm like, all pissed off because he's not picking up his socks yeah. and it's you that really just wants the socks picked up. So you yeah. just pick the socks up. Yeah. And, it's like, it's a, right. It was just so obvious he had no problem with it. 
Right. You had no problem with those socks on the floor. And, and it occurred to me, I'm the one with the problem. I picked them up and, and oh my gosh, I gave me what I wanted. Right. And, you know, um, parenting would say that's wrong. They need to be, you know, learn how to pick up their socks. But I'm beyond parenting. It just wasn't working with those three. So, um, and, and I found such joy in it that... Yeah. Truly, my children started picking up their socks, and and it was you know love really is the power and and role model. I was yep. being a role model without even knowing it. I picked up the socks. Yep. It wasn't about him. And so that's the way I look at it. I mean, if it's about yeah. if I, if it's about me and I want the socks, then I'm going to pick them up or yeah, you know, put the dishes in the dishwasher or whatever it is. Yeah, and that yeah. way we 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 have what we want in the world yep. it's and we can right. it doesn't stop us from asking either it's just that if they won't and they don't well who's left the one with the problem that's me so right. oh i love that you love that yeah that, i love it yeah, yeah. It's, it's just self-awareness isn't it yeah but it, i'm not role modeling very well for my wife though who's still leaving the dishes in the sink but anyways it's a different story <laughs> Which, which, so can you, can you explain for the listeners who may not be familiar with the work, what it is? The work is um, a way to identify the thoughts that are causing our suffering, a way to identify and question the thoughts that cause all the suffering in the world, all the suffering in our lives in any language. And it's, um, it's, um, it's, really powerful because it taps into one's self so it's it's like the in my experience the ultimate self help mm -hmm. it gives us something that no one else can give us that mm -hmm. the things we want others to give us live within us and these questions are a way of they're an invitation for for what's in us to show up and it does. We just aren't patient enough to listen. And so the work gives us that opportunity. This inquiry gives us that opportunity to ask and wait and have the courage to meet what we what what shows up for us mm -hmm. in response to the questions. And it can bring a lot of tears, um, a lot of um, a lot of joy you know, the absence of suffering and tears, meaning um, I see, I see without the words, I see, you know, those tears that when we recognize something that, that draw, I don't know if that's the term, but, but leave us in a state of humility, of humbleness, of, you know, that <clears throat> the opposites of arrogance, a, a kind of value that I wouldn't never have found otherwise in myself. I can see how it is in other people. I can, but what about me? Mm. And, and so those questions showed me what about me? And the, and the, and the questions are? Well, it would be like there's um, like she doesn't care about me. 
maybe mm-hmm. I'm walking down the street and someone I've ne- never seen before in my life, <laughs> you know, just, or maybe it's a close friend. Let's say it's a close friend and we have an argument. I think she doesn't care about me. And, um, and then how do I react? The first question is, is it true? Mm-hmm. And, and the second question is like a double check on that and like maybe drop in a little deeper. Can I absolutely know that it's true she doesn't care about me and so you know this uh, is the invitation to get still because mm-hmm. I'm the only one that has the answer I'm the one that's experiencing and then the third question is how do I react what happens when I think the thought she doesn't care about me mm-hmm. and then I just get still in that and I anchor in that situation where she said what she said and did what she did and gave me the look and all of that, you know, all my proof. How do I react when I think the thought she doesn't care about me? And um, so that gives rise to, you know, it, it's invitation to how do I react emotionally what happens in that situation when I think the thought she doesn't care about me. And to just be with that, to just be with that. And how do I react when I believe the thought she doesn't care about me? And then I look at how my attitude shifted maybe, or I said something that that left me with some guilt that I'm sorry for. And, or, um, um, you know, I look at my own feelings, emotions, reactions, arrogance, uh, the false identity the ego offers up, all of it, all of it. And so it can take a while to sit in that. Mm-hmm. You know, we can do it quickly or we can um, sit in it and make it, you know, our, our morning meditation to sit in it, whatever that is, 45 minutes, an hour, 10 minutes, whatever it is, but to be thorough. Mm-hmm. And and then um, the fourth question, and the fourth and last question is, in that situation, when she said what she said and did what she did and all of that, who would I be without the thought she doesn't care about me? And then so I, I see this image of her in my mind's eye as I meditate in it, and then I drop the words, the story, the verbal like I drop all meaning to that thing that I see as her. Who would I be without the thought? And all of a sudden, I listen to her words. I can hear them now, so I'm out of fi- I'm out away from the fire. So I can hear now what she said as opposed to what I thought she said and what I thought she meant. And, you know, the whole thing, it just clears it up. And if she says, um, uh, there's something wrong with you, Byron Katie, I can hear that. And then I write that down. There's something wrong with me because she could be right. Mm. And I'm safe now. I'm sitting in myself. This is my morning meditation. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that and a lot of tears a lot of sadness, a lot of, you know, you never know what's going to come up. Maybe nothing, that's okay, but just just witnessing. Mm-hmm. And so when I've said in that, uh, she doesn't uh, care about me, then I turn it around. I, um, 
I, I try on opposites and, mm-hmm. and she doesn't care about me in that situation. She does care about me. Okay. And the ego might say, that's not true. That's not true. And just notice and just, just come back. She does care about me. Okay. She said, there's something wrong with me. Ah, there it is. She could be right mm-hmm. in that situation. Where was I wrong? Mm-hmm. And so I can get in touch with that. What was I saying at the time? Was I being hurtful? You know, just there's something wrong with me. So it's so important here to understand the ego and and how it defends its identity. And I love saying defense is the first act of war, which mm. I can with my friend she said there's something wrong rather than look to myself i attacked it can be so subtle so subtle but my friend knows you know she knows what i mean by that look on my face it's just it's um you know just ah so she doesn't care about me turn around she does care about me so now i find myself being experiencing grateful for such a good friend mm-hmm that can call me even when they're you know it's pretty good guess that i'm going to defend and now i have something else to look defense and i'm going to defend this identity that i'm living out of when i was being wrong minded meeting the who knows maybe i was gossiping about someone or something whatever it was when she said there's something wrong with me I hope I'm not confusing everyone by just yeah. walking through these questions. Yeah. I just want to make clear it takes courage mm-hmm. and a it takes an open mind. And the ego's job is defend and say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I'm this, is, you know, whatever it comes up with, but just to notice and then to go back to these turnarounds, that's where we are. There's something wrong with me. I mean, there's something, she doesn't care about me. That was it. She doesn't care about me. She does care about me. Another turnaround. I don't care about me in Mm -hmm. that situation. Could be, I don't care about her too, right? That could be another another turnaround. Um, absolutely so and and my ego is going to want to jump to that but i just say okay you know i'm the the ego to me is a terrified child it's it has no body it's looking it's 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 it is just looking for a home as a physical as an object of physical home which can Mm. never be physical mind is not physical mind is not a thing it's a subject as far as the thing we could say but it's not material it's not Mm -hmm. so so i am i see the the ego as a terrified child you know because there's no identity there there's no object so um i i am i am talking to you i i i i i i the ego doesn't sleep so it stays identified like this is really me i'm in this trance and the ego doesn't sleep again so so moving back 
Um, um, she doesn't care about me. She does care about me. We looked at that one. I don't care about her that you were in, in touch with. And I don't think, oh, I don't care about her. I'm guilty, guilty. It's not that. This is, a, this is an exercise in stillness. I don't care about her. Where was it that I wasn't caring? Where is it that I was insensitive? Where is it that I was maybe accusing her or uh, I don't care about her? You know, what were my words? What was my attitude? And so um, I, you know, then it leaves just um, just radical discussions. You know, I can call her or the next time we meet. I say, you know, you really helped me out the other day when you called me on on uh, there was something wrong with me, and I see mm-hmm. I, I see it now, and um, I apologize for being short with you, and and um, and um, and cold, mm-hmm. and um, and and then I when I come home to my family, how do I make it right? I live it. I, you know, what I would give to her, I give to my family. I give to whoever calls. I'm more awake to myself, thanks to my friend. Mm-hmm. So, um, on, and then this worksheet I put together, there are six questions on it. Mm-hmm. And we answered those six questions. And, and so I would just write down my thoughts about her on that worksheet. There's six questions there. I filled them in with my thoughts about her and um, and that situation. And um, the way I put that together is just being still in how the ego works. I, it's like how it works. How does it work? I'm angry because, I'm happy because, I'm this because, I'm that because. So that's question number one to fill in on the worksheet. Mm-hmm. There was, And then one through six, that's the first one. And then two through six is I want, I need, they shouldn't, they should. Dun, 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 dun. That's it. There are only six things the ego does. And I don't ever want to, you know, and I don't want, but six things. And they're there. And you've got the ego in any situation, you question it, and it wakes you up to, to the ego's play to take over what can never be taken over. Mm. And that's the thing I refer to as immovable grace, heaven. This world to me is, it's, you know, I just woke up to heaven. This is a Mm -hmm. flawless world other than what we're thinking and believing about it. Mm -hmm. It's flawless. And I'm so grateful. And this isn't something that I could teach. And that's the beautiful thing. I don't have to teach. I can share my experience. But but, um, I'm a student. And that's the favored position. That's, that's it. That's it. This episode of If You've Come This Far is being brought to you by Half Acre Beer Company, makers of Daisy Cutter Pale Ale and many other fine ales and lagers. Visit them at their brewery located at 2050 West Balmoral Avenue in Chicago's Bowmanville neighborhood. 
And now back to the conversation. Katie, I wonder, um, as I'm trying to get down the learning curve here uh, of of the work and, and this inquiry exercise, um, uh, I wonder if if you could help me frame it in the context of um, of a thought that's less relationship based, like like mm-hmm. you know, suffering. The thought is, and and this is not my scenario, so don't so don't worry about, about me right now. But like, um, my 12 year old was just diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. I got a, I got a, a you know, a, a shit sandwich, you know, mm-hmm. handed well, to me. Yeah, that's how it looks. Yep, yeah. I have a. If that's a, if that's a shit sandwich, my husband is one too. Mm. Yeah, Stephen is, um, is, um, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, he's a, he, he's amazing, mm. and just, just like your child, yeah, we're the yeah. ones with the problem. Yeah, mm. uh, you know, knock wood. That's that. That is not something I'm going through. A, f- a friend has gone through that. But like, when you, what is the thought that you're interrogating in that situation? You're like, uh, my husband has cancer. Is it true? Yes, that's what the doctors say. That's what the tests show. That's that's in. in it's a really serious form of cancer. Yes, my answer is yes. This isn't Pollyannish stuff, mm-hmm. and um, so can I absolutely know that it's true that he has cancer? Okay, so that's invitation to drop in. Did I miss anything? Can I absolutely know? That's what the doctor says. That's what the tests show. Can I really know that it's true? He has cancer. Yeah, the doctors know. Yeah, everyone knows. Yeah, he know. Can I really know that it's true he has cancer? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit with that. And some people would say, most people would say yes, I imagine. And maybe there's some, maybe I could sit in that maybe for several days on and off between doing the dishes and living my life. Can I absolutely, but let's say my, my response is still yes. Okay, but I, I'm i sitting in this with an open mind, it's still yes. Okay, so now I move to the next one. How do I react when I believe the thought? So let's go to you. How do you react? What happens in a situation when you think the thought your son has cancer. So give me a situation. Are you in the doctor's office? Are you just getting the news? Are you on um, are you in chemo with your child? Um, the situation comes to mind when you think the thought my my son has is it your son? Oh, so again, like, fortunately, I have two daughters. It's hypothetical. Hypothetical. A friend of mine went through this. I The closest thing I've experienced to this was probably when my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, okay, like. But I would, I would move to uh, how do I react? What happens when I think the thought that um, Stephen has cancer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My husband has cancer. Mm-hmm. I see images of him suffering and and we're standing in the kitchen and he's sitting down i'm standing there and he's on the phone he hangs up the phone and um 
I see images of him dead. I see images of him suffering terribly before death. I see hospice. I see him in hospitals. I see him with needles in him. I see him in, in chemo in my mind's eye as I stand in the kitchen. Mm. And he hangs up the phone. Mm. And on, so on... I see me alone. I see me without a husband. And then I think, oh my gosh, how can I do, how can I do it without him? I see all the, you know, the, all the, all the downsides. So now it's not even about him. It's all about me, 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 I, I, and, and, and now I'm really scared. And I think it's his cancer, but no, I'm tranced. I am being egoed. All of that inside of me going on is the illusion, which takes me to the fourth question, who would I be without the thought? Standing in the kitchen, he hangs up the phone. Who am I without those images? And, you know, who am I without the thought he has cancer? All those images drop away. I'm asking questions. I'm so grateful he's not in pain. I am so grateful he's less worried than I am, as it turns out. I am listening. I'm learning how I can help. What we can do, we're brainstorming. We're making plans to follow what the directions we were given. And I'm grateful. He's not in chemo. He's sitting at the kitchen table. Mm -hmm. He's not suffering. He's <laughs> at all. Mm -hmm. I am mm -hmm. who I am without the thought I'm present with him. I've, I've got a life with him. The very thing I'm afraid of losing, I've got. And that's the gift of this world. So then I go to turnarounds. Um, he's, he's got cancer turned around. He doesn't have cancer. Okay, I can see there are some times that I forget he has cancer and we're just being normal with each other and that's not the topic and we're really engrossed in what we're saying. In that situation, there's no cancer there. In his mind, in my mind, we're just these normal people. Life without cancer, that's how it used to be, that's how it is. Like it or not, we're not, you know, we're not suffering. We're, we've, we've got what we wanted. He doesn't have cancer. So we're looking at states of mind here. He doesn't have cancer. Turned around, his body has cancer. So you might try that on. You don't know where these turnarounds are going to take you or the questions. And um, another turnaround, I have cancer. Yeah, that's not his cancer that I'm thinking about night and day. I'm the one that I have cancer mm. in my head all the time. 
so I can take care of that. That's what this work does. It wakes me up to how can I be there for Stephen out of self, as it turns out, awake to I don't have his cancer in my head. What I have is um, the ability, and because I'm not worried sick, I'm helpful. I'm really helpful Mm. in ways that worry cannot begin to. There's there's not a lot of wisdom available when we're worried and sick with worry and frightened. Mm -hmm. It's, um, so he has cancer. Is it true? Yeah, that's how it looks. Is it a problem? Not until he says so. But I'm awake enough not to put mine there. Mm. That's not my cancer. That's so we're that serves him. My freedom serves him. And it definitely serves me. Chris, is that he's amazing. Yeah, no, that that's really helpful to go through it for 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 that for a sort of a non-relationship based um source of stress and uh and i'll offer one follow-up then i'll shut up sean no 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 no. go ahead i was just Um, i was just gonna ask if that if that resonates that process resonates with you in in the example yeah it it does it does and it, it and it heightens my sensitivity to this next question which is what is it in all of us that 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 enables stress to so incapacitate us to not be able to question mm. uh, and, and pursue inquiry. Mm. Um, the ego just more powerful than your desire to get still and 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 question what you're believing. Mm. Strength of ego. Yeah. Oh. Oh my gosh. You know it's. You know what is terror? You know it's it's ego's a state of mind, not body. But when we identify with it, it can sure, certainly tax the body. It, it heart attacks, high blood pressure, all kinds of things on, on, are involved. When you know it, it's like the condition is one thing, but what we're thinking and believing about it on top of that does not help healing. It hinders. Plus the um, the. The, um, you know, here we are um, with, you know, there is a way out of suffering. And, um, and um, what is the cause of our suffering? What we're thinking and believing? What is the way out? I can't fight it. That's like the ego. <laughs> you know, it's, it's always going to win. But I can question it. And what happens is the ego begins to trust the wisdom that meets it because there's no war. This is the absence mm. of war, trying to overrun the ego. is That's war. Mm. But inquiry ends that war. We become curious, and the ego loves it. It's got full attention. And what penetrates the ego is the response, the answers that meet those questions. And in that, the ego 
it it um it's not challenged it's understood and eventually finds a home in the heart it literally finds the home it's been seeking and that home is wisdom itself mm. and what that means is what it gives us is a happy life and it's it's the absence of war with anyone and any or anything Katie, one of the one of the things that has always been so powerful to me in the work is it's so so simple. I mean, it's it's mm -hmm. four questions and some turnarounds. Mm -hmm. um, and and when I was first introduced to it and and learning to understand it, um, you know, it occurs to me it's it, versus you look at it and you say, okay, do the work, self help, as you said, versus therapy. I mean, I, I, how 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 did you you know compare and contrast the work? Because simple process, and if you're all in and you're willing to be still and really inspect, it could be so powerful. Doing it because it's all inside us versus having to go, you know, and and do therapy. I mean, can you compare and contrast the two for us? Well, um, I'm all for doing the work and therapy. Mm. doing the work and going to church doing the work and you mm. know it it's just it's just self inquiry it's not meant to replace anything mm. it's on um, anything other than suffering so yeah. it works with everything because mm. what meets it is um is the answer to what we're looking for i, I and i'm curious have you have you found more interest in the work over the last couple three years given kind of what's what's happened in our society and culture and what we've been through i mean are you seeing more people wanting to go through the work or has it always been over the last 30 years kind of always been the same pace if you will of people engaging i, you and what I you're just doing? have I just have no idea. You know, when COVID happened, um, I canceled all the events and, yeah. and all the hotels and all the invitations. And there went the, the, the tour in Europe, everything, you know, just and just immediately jumped into that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday right. thing I do for an hour <laughs> every morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And um, and the people that flow in and out of there, it's just oh my goodness, what a what a community! Mm. And um, so I just don't know, you know, it's it's um, um, someone will raise their hand and <clears throat> and 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 say, oh, I haven't been here in a, for a while, and I'm so glad to be back, you know, for example. And then um, um, people just coming in and out, in and out, in and out, and people working and having days off and people going, oh, you know, I would just rather take a walk and then maybe the next day they're on. But it's um, I just can't answer it. I don't keep tabs or numbers mm -hmm. or measure or seek or advertise or, you know, anything like that. I just post it on, do, do, on the, just on do the, the work. page and yeah. yeah 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 and and um yeah and then there's um um some social 
media Katieisms that we might pop up. Yeah. You know, there's there's one other person and 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 I that do it, but the the um, the what comes in through customer care and things like that is just magical. I got one day before yesterday from a a prisoner that is in there for I think he said eight years mm. and he was thanking me he found loving what is in the library and um, he was just sick that he had to go to prison and leave his two children and his wife and 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 how were how were they going to be supported etc cetera, etc cetera. and he found loving what is and he what he shared to me was so I loved it so much. He said he found that the that he found the best way he could support those children and wife was to be in prison. Mm. That what he had to offer them was crazy, mm. and what he was finding and loving what is is um, on how to communicate and you know just finding his very best self and heart and raising his children from prison and his wife by the rare communication that they were allowed. And, and, oh, I I just love that so much to the best service he could give them is to not live with them until Mm. he was a little, little clearer about right and wrong and, and how to support them. Yeah, so I get good. I get great email. That's great. I did. You mentioned uh, the Stanford study. I found another study that um, was published, I think, by NIH. I don't remember who did it, but it was pretty compelling. It was about your work, about the work. uh, And it suggested that there was enough evidence to support a randomized controlled trial. Um, Do you, you, have you sought people to research um, the impact of your work? No? Mm -mm. No. If it's valuable, it finds its own way, its own time, its own place. And, and um, there, um, on the, as it happens, the largest uh, hospital in, um, in Israel has done a several year study on the work. And it's, on in the cancer research department, as it turns out. Oh, there you go. And, yeah, and um, it's, it's it's really radical, mm. and uh, the way it serves their families, the family members, it's just really a beautiful thing. It, it, you know, when funny. we are it's... when we are worried, we don't. That's not where we make the best decisions, or the most informed decisions. When we're saying, you know, our minds are open, um, we can hear, um, you know, it's like the the blind and the deaf can see and hear. The ego isn't grabbing all of that space, um, overriding the equal wisdom that's within us all. No one has more than another of that. 
I mean, it really is a process of helping people to let let go of things. I mean, that they're something that they're they're clinging to, really. I mean, yeah. I mean, how often is it that that what gives us the most suffering, distress is is what we're clinging to? Relate people yeah. or a feeling or things. Um and yeah. and can the work help us let go easier? Yeah. Or, or the news, or the news, the the creation of suffering and anxiety uh, that that comes with sort of this onslaught of unfiltered news is is um, massive. Yeah, it it is. It's like a, a contest uh, to who can be the meanest. <laughs> the mean mindedness is is just oh my gosh, oh my goodness. You know, we're all losing as a result. That's right. That's right. Addressing what, what you just pointed to uh, earlier, um, the worksheet, I have there are what I call living turnarounds there. And like, I want Stephen to see that um, I want Stephen to be happy, mm -hmm. you know, in regard to his cancer. I want him to be happy. And so I question that. Is it true? Mm. And that's quite a question, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, we think, oh, of course I do, but you know, this is this takes stillness. And and then how do I react when I believe the thought? You know, I'm well, we just answer anyway when we turn it around. I'm talking about living turnarounds. So even though I'm bouncing around, I'm just going to cut to the chase and go there. It's just, I want him to be happy, turned around. I don't want him to be happy. Okay, and I noodle that, you know, I don't want him to be happy. And I find situations where even though he has cancer, I'm into winning and losing maybe mm. on, on the smallest trivial thing like the dishes. <laughs> You know, I want to be happy. You know, is it true? Not so much. I'd rather have an apology from him. Mm -hmm. I mean, God, the, the guy could be dying, but I want an apology. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, I want him to apologize. Living turnaround, I want, I want him to be happy. That's what we were looking at. I want him to be happy. Turn around, I want me to be happy. Yeah, that I can see. I can see the ego again. It's just all about me. And um, so I want him to be happy. I'm more aware of how I tax him when I believe the thought I want him to apologize. Mm. And, um, and, and that's just a small sample of what we want to someone that we love and care about and want the best for, but it's what it's like when the ego takes over. Yeah, he could be dying. Yeah, yeah, but I want him to apologize. That is primary. Oh, no, no. But that's a sleepness. Right. And, and what happens to our ability to heal when we're attacking someone they owe us an apology we think or whatever it's uh yeah we never know what we're going to find but what i can say is our 
our um, lives become richer, healthier, um, easier, more loving. Everything I ever wanted. This um, this um, invitation into myself has has uh, has given me. But we do need to be. I mean, to your point, we do need to be. We do need to be courageous, and and there's to me there's an honesty to the process. I mean that that in order to really let go and make progress, you have to go through it honestly. It. I, I don't yeah, know if that's the right word, but that's sitting, what keeps coming up for me. Well, it's so, and and it's not something we have to do in front of people. It's just me right. with me. Right. In other words, right. you with you. So um, it's sometimes it's just really tough to get honest with ourselves, but that's what this work invites. Yeah. Thank you. Chris, um, Katie, Chris has uh, three questions that he asks at the end of, of, of every interview. And it's interesting, given what you do for, for your life, how you're going to answer these questions. But um, do you currently have a mantra? that you are living your life in accordance with at this time? Mm, gosh, honey, it's like I love. Mm. What would you, uh, if you could, what would you have told your 10-year-old self? And by the way, this question is relevant because had we had endless time, I would have loved to have asked you about your sort of pre-catharsis, pre-moment, cockroach moment uh, self. But but in inside of the time we have, like, what would you have told your ten year old self? That it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay. Awesome. And finally, what do you hope people will say about you at your wake? What's true for them? Fair enough. I was trying to think of something quippy, like. She worked her she worked her butt off, right? Like <laughs> incorporating the work somehow. Uh, that's great. Thank you. That's for playing funny. Along. <laughs> Katie, thanks. Thanks so much for spending time with us and, and uh, sharing your sharing your wisdom with our listeners. It's greatly appreciated. Um, all the best to you and Stephen uh, in, the day, in the days and, ahead. And by the way, his his cancer, he's doing great. That's he great is. to hear doing great so any of your listeners that are Stephen mitchell fans you know he's doing he's amazing that guy is amazing so yeah all is well all is well he's still he's not even fighting the good fight he's just kind of flowing on through following Mm -hmm. the simple directions whatever yeah he's probably he's probably leaving his socks strewn about too isn't he (laughs) not Stephen. (laughs) she doesn't have to worry about him right uh it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank all you, the best Katie. to you. Thank Peace. you, gentlemen. You're so easy to be with. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Chris. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of If You've Come This Far. And this is Sean. Remember to check us out at menliving.org. <laughs>